This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Some turnovers cost us some chances against, and for us to win, we we got to be simple. And I think that's what we've been doing. We haven't been turning the puck over too much uh, during those last five wins. And then, uh, you know, tonight we kind of got away from that and cost us. Some nights it's just going to be one of those nights where, you know, you're fighting to, to get momentum, you're fighting to make plays. You just can't get anything going, and we just gotta have to put that behind us. And I look forward, and we did that, and got some momentum, and had some unbelievable looks, and just couldn't turn away. Maybe surprise is the word that uh, we played the way we did in the first two periods, um, because as you've seen, probably in the last few weeks, we've um, you know we've elevated our game, and uh, you know our attention to detail, our work ethic, all those things have have been outstanding and um, you know are you gonna play like that every single game you're not uh, any coach will tell you it's everybody's got their up and downs but you know our, our downs have happened early in the year and, and now we need to have a heck of a more ups and uh, like I said um, surprise yes disappointed yes uh, but we can't look back now and this game's behind us and and now we have to to go and into another tough building in, in Philly and play a team that's uh, having a heck of, heck of a year. Well, that is true. John Cooper. Talking about a tough game tonight, I, and I'll be clear, I I've, think I said this a couple of shows ago. I, is Philadelphia the most surprising team in the league? Now, maybe 45 games in, you're not a surprise anymore, but based mm -hmm. off of the expectations coming in, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair thing to say. You can talk about some other teams maybe who've underachieved. We've talked about Buffalo. Were they a team that needed to be maybe where Philadelphia is right now? I, I, I don't know. Maybe you can put them in that category of teams who have disappointed. But I think the Flyers, I'm not sure anybody saw this. Is this the power of torts, getting the most out of his players? <laughs> the power of torts. Is this where coaching partner can, can come well, in and really make an impact? I don't know. Have, Changing the culture? Yeah, they've greatly improved their goals against from last year. But it's not like when you look at their team, there's any one thing that grabs you and says, okay, that's how they're doing. Now, their penalty kill is excellent, and that goes to their lower goals against. But, you know, they're basically even for five-on-five five goals scored, goals allowed, and which is better than the Lightning. But does it explain their start? Not really. I mean, if you're allowing about the same number of goals as you're scoring five on five, that means you know, that's average, right? <laughs> and they are not lighting the lamp appreciably more than, than any other team. Their power play has been horrendous this year. I mean, it was dead last in the league a couple of days ago, and they've, quote, unquote, improved to tied for 30th. So they're yeah. tied with the Penguins, actually, for the second worst power play percentage in the NHL. So that has not helped them this year. So my guess is that they play hard. We know that. They D up. That goes to what you say and have said a lot this year, Greg, which is defending is a mindset, right? And I'm guessing they're they're coming out on top of a lot of close games because it's not like they're blowing teams out of the water. That's not reflected in their goal differential. But here they are, you know, in the top three in the Metro. They don't have a lot of wriggle room. In fact, even the Lightning, when I say even the Lightning, I mean, by any standard, the Lightning 
don't have as many points as they would like. The teams have played the same number of games, and the Lightning are only three points behind the Flyers in the standings. So the Flyers have had a good year, a year that has exceeded expectations. But, you know, if the Lightning win in regulation tonight, they'll be separated by only a point. And why would that be important? Well, it would be important if the Flyers fall out of the top three and they're kind of in this wild card mix. And the Lightning are one of the teams that they're battling with. So, look, I'm, I'm viewing the game this way, which is kind of what, Tort said, you know, another team we're kind of in the mix with that is having a good year when he was talking about the Flyers. This is a team the Lightning would do well to get ahead of in the standings, even though they are playing in the other division. We'll see. They're going to see a lot of the Flyers in the second half. They have three games left against Philadelphia. For sure. They are missing Owen Tippett. He got hurt a couple of games ago. He's a good player. They got him in the Claude Giroux deal with the Panthers so they are missing him, and the Flyers have been doing this a lot since they acquired Jamie Drysdale from Anaheim, going 11-7, and seven, which we see the Lightning do on occasion. They've done more regularly in years past than this year. So with Tippett out, I mean, that probably makes even more sense that they would go 11-7. and seven. But they're working in Drysdale. He's had an injury-plagued year. He's only played 15 games total this year, five with the Flyers since the trade. So that's kind of how they're they're doing it, and it's working for them. And it looks like the Lightning are going to be seeing Sam Arison, not Carter Hart tonight. So Arison has been the backup to Hart, but he's had a good year too. Look, if you're in the top half of goals against, and the Flyers are in the top 10 for goals against, your goalies are going to have good numbers. And both Hart and Arison have had good years this year. Yeah, good for them. And I, I think... They've exceeded those expectations, and there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of people who have done a really good job of making that happen. Goaltending probably one of the biggest ones because I yeah. think that's been that's been chief knows this. That's been a an area of concern. For a few you know, years. another thing that's helped the Flyers: two guys that missed the entire year last year are back and healthy and playing regularly: Couturier and Atkinson. So look. Uh, that helps. I mean, they were on the team last year, so it's not like they made some big move to get these guys. They were just hurt, and they couldn't play last year. The thing about Atkinson, he's a he's a Tortorella-type player, mm-hmm. and he you can watch that guy lead by example. You know, Had him I, in I Columbus. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's yeah. He's been a guy that I think he's used to him. He understands him, and maybe a coach on the ice. Plus, he plays really hard. Atkinson's a smaller guy, but he plays chippy, and he can score a little bit. You know, I don't know where he is now in terms of his career and, and some injuries that have slowed him down. Couturier, I've, I've always liked. You know, yeah. To me, when the Flyers had, let's just say, Giroux and and some other players surrounding him, I always looked at Couturier as kind of like a perfect third-line center. Mm-hmm. You know, could be really good defensively, chip in enough offensively. But Won the Selkie Trophy. Also, yeah. Won the Selkie in 2020 before he had his injury problems. He's, but now I feel like those injuries have kind of piled up yeah. on him a little bit. And, and where his, where is he as a player? Um, who knows? But again, having a player like that, a veteran who's had some success in the league, if you have those guys sprinkled up and down the lineup, I think your team's going to be better for it. And, and perhaps also an extension of John Tortorella a little bit on the ice. So uh, impressed Yeah, how far they've gotten so far this year. Are they a team that's going to continue this pace? I don't know. What's the one thing I've told you about with teams like Philadelphia, for instance, that play hard and 
are doing some things maybe defensively game in and game out that are allowing them to be competitive, that in the regular season, I think you have a chance to really surprise some people because not every team's going to play hard every night. It's just not. You know, the expectations yeah. are different uh, for a Boston Bruins team compared to a, a Flyers team. Uh, compared to the Washington Capitals or the Pittsburgh Penguins, but the Flyers have something to prove. Are they catching teams off guard this many games into the season? Maybe still to an extent, but they are who they are at this point, partner, and mm -hmm. what they are is a playoff team. Yep. And you have two playoff teams. They're going to have to maintain it, though, because the Metro is crowded, and if they dip, they're going to have teams pass them. That is true. So, look, we talked about, and by the way, we wanted to be on the air while the Lightning were skating. The Lightning began their skate at 11 a.m., so we're actually on the air a little before the time that our show is airing. So, Which is okay. Which is okay. Yeah, we players, have the pucks right? in the background. I want to mention that Flurry and Chernak are both yeah. skating, and people, if they're following social media at the time that the show is airing, they probably know that already. Sure. But Vassie's in the starters net, so no surprise there. I would be surprised if... Either Flurry or Chernak are in tonight, but again, fans will have that answer as I'm saying that right now. Sure. So anyway, when we talk about the Lightning bouncing back after a regulation loss that ended a five-game winning streak, you know which team had a five-game winning streak that ended recently? The Flyers. Yeah. And they lost on Saturday to Colorado, ending that five-game losing streak. And then what happened the very next game? They lost again. And they this lost the both games made. at home, and the game on Sunday stung because they were up 3-1 on Ottawa. Let's be honest, a non-playoff team. And the Senators scored four unanswered goals and won 5-3. So that is, I'm not saying the Lightning want to avoid a 3-1 lead that turns into a loss. Certainly they do, but yeah. even more basic than that, when you win five in a row, you want to build on that. You don't want the momentum of 10 points in five games to be sucked away by a losing streak that comes on the heels of that winning streak. That is what has happened right now to the Flyers. It's not a big one. They've lost two in a row in regulation, but you know that they are saying the same thing that I am saying. The Lightning really need to bear down, I think, and get points out of this game. Then they have two home games left before they get their bye week and the All-Star break. They can set themselves up for a really strong push here, starting with the homestand that they went 4-0 on, if they can get points out of this game. They need, to, they need to avoid a regulation loss tonight. I mean, yes, we'd like the two points, for sure. And I think this should be an easy game to get up for, don't you think? Philadelphia always just kind of a nasty place to play. Yeah. I think it brings Lightning out... Lightning done pretty well in this building. Yeah. In recent years, too, I mean, it's maybe helped that the Flyers have not been as competitive, but sure. Lightning seem to play well here. Yeah. Bassey's first win came in this building. Yeah, good point. I think it's an easy place to get up for, though, if you're a player, because of just, it's Philadelphia, right? It's Philadelphia. They're just kind of, this is somebody, coming from somebody in Pittsburgh, they're just nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so you just want to, like, all right. I know going in there, it's going to be a little bit of a hostile environment. I need to be ready. Typically, Philadelphia plays with an edge, sometimes over uh, that line. And, you know, John Tortorella, let's face it, he he likes to mix it up in however he can on the bench. So I, I think you have all those factors coming in, and I, I think it's 
it makes some sense. It makes some sense that this game is one the Lightning should get up for. And let's hope they can continue another winning streak mm -hmm. starting tonight with two points. The mark of a team destined for the playoffs is a team that bounces back after losses and disappointing losses. And look, I'm not going to take back anything I said on yesterday's show. If the fans heard what I had to say, I stand by all my comments. I did not think that that was by far the worst game the Lightning have played this year. But it was not good enough. And it was a key game. And what Coop said in the clip that Steve played at the top of the show, I agree with wholeheartedly that they have showed in the games prior to the game on Sunday. More compete, a higher work ethic, better attention to detail, and that was not evident for much of the first two periods. So not only did they lose the game in regulation against a team that they're kind of neck and neck with, literally, because they're tied in points, but they didn't play well. So not only what you said, which is being in Philly should get your attention. What just happened on Sunday should get the Lightning's attention. And as I was saying, starting to say, the mark of a team that has success in the regular season and is playoff bound are teams that can put bad games or unsatisfactory results behind them and bounce right back. And this is an opportunity for the Lightning to do just that. For sure. Uh, hit us up on X at Bolts Radio. Ooh, nicely done. Hit us up on X. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you want to get involved in the conversation. Hey, I have to ask you. Okay. Because I saw this on X. I saw this clip. Oh, no. That said one of the most embarrassing plays in franchise history. Was that the Latang and back to a Malkin? terrible loss for the Penguins? I'm like, embarrassing plays? Terrible, a terrible loss? Like, they, look, Lightning lost in Arizona. Arizona's a pretty good team. Arizona's coming in to Amelie Arena on Thursday. It's like there's no there's no shame in losing at Arizona. So what's the deal here? So yes, you can set it up. It was this is why Phil gets very nervous during a delayed penalty call when the Lightning have a power play pending and they pull the goalie. Yeah, so there was a delayed call. I think Latang had the puck and threw it behind, right? He was in his own zone. Yeah, and threw it back to Malkin. And it went off him, right, into the into the net. I actually didn't see it. I, I, I read it. Um, but the interesting part of that is Latang. they asked him, you know, who, who bears the brunt of that criticism or that responsibility from that play. And you could tell, like, Latang was like, look, had nobody touched the puck, my puck would have gone into the corner. It wasn't going in the net. He's like, my bad, I, I shouldn't have thrown it backwards, so I'll take responsibility. But I think he was kind of like, look, I mean, I, I throw that back a hundred times, and every time I've done it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't end in our own Well, I will say, I did see the clip. It was not going in the corner. It did help Malkin stick, but Malkin, I think Malkin was surprised the drop pass came to him, and he had to reach out. Like, he was skating in one direction, and the puck was coming back in the other direction. And so he reached out with his stick to try and grab it. It nicked off his stick and deflected yeah. into the open net. But that is why, if people are are aware, when the Lightning have a power play pending and they pull Vasilevsky and the puck is not in the offensive zone, it's back in the neutralized area or in their own zone, and 
Phil's like, stop fooling around. Like, he, that's what he says. <laughs> Just let him touch the puck already. <laughs> I mean, I'm echoing and channeling my, my inner Phil here. That's why. Now, sometimes you have the puck in the offensive zone, and there's a drop pass, and it, it just misses the intended recipient and slides down the ice and goes into the open net. We have seen that happen. That happened to the Lightning in Buffalo several years ago. And then they ended up scoring on the – you still get the power play, even yeah. though you gave up – you had an own goal. And the Lightning ended up scoring on the ensuing power play to make up for the miscue. But a drop pass in your own zone sure. when the net is empty, it's kind of what I was saying about the Lightning – giving up that goal to Sprong in Detroit on Sunday. Like, you were inviting something bad to happen, right? What's the worst thing that can happen if you, if you go forward with the puck? The worst thing that can happen is Arizona touches the puck and you start the power play, right? Anyway. I, I agree. Take a look I, at it. it. Just, you, it should, was, you should watch the you should watch the replay. I, well, you know what that that was a horrible loss, and <laughs> that might Pittsburgh be is losses. in the mix too. So I mean that yeah, that, that game terrible. actually helped the Lightning. You know that Vegas game they were up two nothing in the third period the night before, two nights and they lost three two. That's just a backbreaker. And then you lose to Arizona and Arizona. Look, they they played well this year, so. Yeah. Kudos to them. How many that, teams does Arizona get coming into their building on the second half of a back-to-back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Lightning did it. We sure. just saw a team, and they were going. It was Boston. Boston lost games in Colorado. They had the same back-to-back as the Lightning. They lost games in overtime or maybe the shootout in Colorado. I know they lost in overtime yeah. in Arizona. They lost both games in overtime or the sure. shootout. Yeah, it's not an easy back to back. I don't know about the Vegas to Arizona back to back because the Lightning have not had that. So I know the airport is very close in Vegas. It is not close in Denver, and it is not close in particularly close in Phoenix. So you know you're adding time to when you're arriving at the hotel. And I will say this: the Penguins lost an hour because Vegas is on Pacific time, and Arizona doesn't change the clock. So they are right now on mountain time. Yeah. So the Penguins lost an hour as well in the back-to-back. That's a tough back-to-back. But to your point, a loss that at the very least the own goal should have been avoided, right? It's a one-goal game at that point. For sure. They they just have a feeling of not a non-playoff team, the Penguins, which is, I think, hard for them to accept. But that is... To, to their for their power play to be that bad still that is amazing incredible and Carlson's starting to take a little bit of heat he's not shooting but that is just a train wreck and who do you what do you do mm-hmm. you got an aging roster you have a head coach who the stars like and they want to play for him and him only and I think Mike Sullivan has a great resume but man oh man um, well we had know. that fan and I forget which fan it was one of our regulars who had a comment about they need to do, they being the Lightning, need to do this on the power play. Like, Hedman is missing the net too much, should pass it to Kucherov, he's open for the one-timer. And I think I I said at the time, look, the Lightning have the number one power play in the NHL. So (laughs) it's kind of hard to pick apart the power play that is better percentage-wise than 31 other teams in the NHL. The the reality is that you are going to fail on the power play more than you are going to succeed. I think I, I told you this, this anecdote I heard from Carl Yastrzemski, the Red Sox great, 
who made a comment. What like, did he say? You know, he was talking about hitting in baseball, and he's like, this is a sport that'll just knock you down if you let it because if you fail seven out of ten times at the plate, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, and you know, the power play is kind of like that percentage-wise, right? A 30% power play is going to get you to the top of the league. What makes Pittsburgh is in a different boat. Pittsburgh is right. at, whatever, 13%. Yeah. You want to pick apart that power play? Do it. But I was thinking about Hedman shooting. Hedman's numbers last year, this is staggering. We know that he didn't get as much power play time last year because Sergachev took over at points the number one spot on D. So the number one power play. They won defensemen. Sergachev had some time there last year. Hedman didn't. It was an off year for Victor. Listen to this, though, Greg. Last year, 76 games for Hedman, 9 goals, 40 assists, 49 points. This year, in 45 games, 9 goals, 36 assists, 45 points. He has the same number of goals as he had in a full year last year, and he's only 4 points off his total from last year. He is having, I don't want to call it his best offensive year. A couple years ago, he, he scored 20, and he's not on pace for 20 this year. He is having a fantastic offensive year. Yeah. And that's, his that's... role on the power play has been a big part of that. Yeah. Well, so it's... if you're asking me, I say to Victor, keep shooting. Keep shooting. Well, he's got a huge shot. Oh, does he and, ever. And he's going to be open because how many times do teams plan for the cross-ice pass from mm-hmm. Cooch to Stammer? Or even in that little bumper area to point. Hedman's almost forgotten in many ways because if you were to look at the Lightning and defend them on the power play, out of all of their options, who do you want to take away in order? I mean, you want to try and take away Cooch, right? I think you have to take away Point, and we've talked about this. Point is in the most dangerous area of the ice, which is why he gets so much attention. But he's not getting the puck unless Kucherov is delivering it. But you have to... to you have to take that away, you which do. means other guys are open. But like, so and, option and, and two, fine. You want to say it's Stamkos or but you I think, said Kucherov? I actually think Hedman's option four for a team that you're trying to take away some options because then you have Stamkos with the one timer. I, I think teams probably are like, okay, we'll live with Hedman with those big bombs from the point. But to what we're saying, I want to see Hedman with those big bombs from the yeah. point. Because one, there's traffic in front typically. The goaltender's not seeing. Two, his, hard, his shot is really hard. I don't know how many times comfortably the goaltender is not going to uh, allow a rebound. And then three, there's always the option that Hedman does the fake pass and gets it over to Kucherov yes. for a one-time or two. And I will say as a lefty, he can he can sell the shot and make a pass to Kucherov more easily than a right-handed defenseman at the same spot. Now, the opposite is true on the other side. When the Lightning had Curtis Foster as the one defenseman, it was one year, but that was Stamkos' second year. Stamkos scored 24 power play goals. Foster had a big shot, and he could, he could sell that shot and actually pass it to Stamkos more easily than a lefty, in this case, Hedman can, because Hedman has to open up. But to the other side, Hedman doesn't have to open up. And maybe that's what the fan was saying. That he'd like to see more passes to Kucherov. But that pass will become more available if Hedman keeps shooting, right? 
And Kucherov has shot the puck this year. I mean, he's yeah. got more shots on on average prorated than he has in any other season in the NHL. I mean, he's no longer leading the league in shots, but the fact that he's he's in the mix <laughs> yeah. tells you everything you need to know, that he is shooting the puck more. For sure. Which is great to see. I mean, yeah. I think we... We want to see that. Flyers penalty kill, though I mentioned this at the top of the yeah. show, is very good. They are second best in the NHL, and they also have scored 10 shorthanded goals, tied for the second most in I, the I NHL. And in the last, I think I saw in the last 20-some-odd games, they're over 90%. So they've been very good all year. They've been especially good in the last, let's say, five to six weeks. Well, the thing is with Tortorella teams, that's not a surprise on the PK, I don't think, because what's one of the things you could do when, on the PK is you're blocking shots. Yeah. And they're fourth, <laughs> they're fourth in the league in block shots, which is very torts, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So that, that, makes some, that makes some sense, mm -hmm. actually. Uh, if people want to respond, they can. At Bolts Radio, uh, get involved in the conversation. By the we way, just, a, for, just for the sake of, of this discussion, this struck me when I saw it. So the Flyers are fourth in the NHL in block shots. You figure a defenseman or de defensemen, multiple defensemen, are probably the guys who are blocking the most, and that's true. They have one guy who is among the league leaders in block shots. This player is tied for third in block shots. And you may not know their defensemen. Right now they're playing seven. But I think that if I gave you this guy's name, you would be surprised that he is the guy who is tied for third in the NHL in block shots. It's Nick Sealer. Really? Nick Seal yeah, Nick Sealer is leading their team in block shots, and it's not even close. Like the next closest guy. So I don't have the notes in front of me. Sealer is blocking probably in the neighborhood of like 50 more shots than the next closest guy, which I believe is Cam York, who's a young defenseman. But that tells you why Sealer is playing the minutes that he's playing, which he is, and he's probably out there on penalty kill. He's become a valuable player for the Flyers, a guy who couldn't find a team in that 2021 season. If you look at Sealer's season by season, he did not play in that 40 or 56 game season. He couldn't find a team. Then he signed with the Flyers in 2021. This is his third year with Philly. Hard to believe. Torts right? is yeah. under Torts. He's become a very valuable player for the Flyers. And what is he doing? He's not scoring, but he's helping them defend. So that's what the Lightning are facing both five-on-five five and when they have the power play. A team that, that is very good at killing penalties and blocks a lot of shots. John Tortorella, you can make an argument, coach of the year? Well, he's going to be in the running. People, is that people, fair? And that's, that's a vote the broadcasters get. Well, we only get three picks. And so how are you going to... you? I know I've said this before, but you basically have to put the coaches or the coaches fall into one of three categories, the ones that are in the running. Overall excellence. So we can look at Jim Montgomery, right? Exceeded expectations. Yeah. That would be torts. And maybe Montgomery too, because people weren't expecting the Bruins to be where they are. 
maybe Rick Bonus in Winnipeg, a team that was expected to be good, but maybe not this good. And then the third arm, if you will, the third leg of the tripod is kind of overcoming adversity. Teams that have had a lot of injuries, and that kind of ties in with exceeded expectations, but they can be mutually exclusive too. So coaches fall into a lot of those categories. It's hard to pick three. But Torts falls into that category specifically for exceeded expectations. And I think that the Flyers are the team that has exceeded expectations the most of the 32 teams in the NHL. Other teams have done it as well. I think the Flyers have have exceeded expectations the most based on where they were expected to be and where they are. So, yeah, he's going to get votes for sure. I don't know that he's going to win it. Hall of Famer, right? Has to be. I mean, just his his body of work has to be right. You can Number get into of the wins. longevity and yeah, things Stanley like that. Stanley Cup. You know, think about Tortorella. I don't know if his style has has aged better than we thought. He's, but, I mean, he's coached he's for, adapted, through a number. Of, he has he's adapted. He has, and he's still a. I mean, would you say he's a tough? A tough coach to play for? Is it more challenging in today's environment with the athletes coming up who may be different than when he was first coaching the Lightning early on in his career? I, partner, I don't know. But I think people are going to look at Tortorella and say he was the type of coach that not only adapted but got the most out of his teams. And that's a quality that can't be overlooked, I think, when you're talking about it. He's not for everybody. But I tell you what, a team who needs structure and a team who needs a jolt, John Tortorella might be your guy. And again, he's not everybody's flavor. I Would he mesh well with this Lightning team? Don't know. Yeah. But I think for some teams that need a kick in the butt, that need to get back to a certain structure, John Tortorella might be that guy. I think he, where he is adapted, and again, I haven't been around him day to day since 2008. And clearly, he's a different coach in this one respect today than he was back in 08. I think he's adjusted in terms of kind of managing the players today. But what has not changed is he draws a line in the sand for accountability. So you say he may not be an easy coach to play for. I think depending on the player, he might be a very easy coach to play for because he sets expectations. <laughs> they are crystal clear. And if you meet those expectations, you are going to play. And you may play a lot. If you don't meet those expectations, you are going to play less and you might get scratched. And it doesn't matter what the name is on the back of your jersey. He is also unwavering in his belief of what the path is forward. And that was definitely true last year when the Flyers had some issues. I mean, they didn't have a great year. They missed the playoffs by a country mile. And Torch is like, this is the way it's got to be. If we are going to get to where we want to get, this is the way it's got to be. As they were losing games. So that takes conviction, that takes courage, but it also takes a belief that you have you have built up your own belief in yourself 
based on basically a career of coaching success. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah, it's harder for a guy who's in his second NHL season to say, this is the path, right? This for a guy the- who has won as many games as he has won and who has lifted the Stanley Cup and has been through enough different teams at different points, I think that he he has the conviction to rest on his own laurels and not sit back and put his feet up. I'm not saying that, but be able to say, I believe in what I'm doing. And I have the experience and the evidence to back that up. And if it's the wrong path for you, then get rid of me, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waver from my belief in in what is not what is right, but what is the right path for my team. You know, it's a great life lesson in many ways, partner, because I think so many times we are influenced by the herd mentality. If you have strong convictions on something and you really do feel like it's it's the right way to do things, again, exceptions to every rule, I understand that, there's something to be said for persevering and, and putting your foot down maybe when everybody else is saying to you, hey, no, that's that's not correct, or you need to change. And I think John Tortorella, it's not like he hasn't changed. I'm sure from the time he was right. the head coach of the Lightning till now, I'm sure he's learned a lot of valuable players are Players are different. Now. Yeah, players are different. But I have heard stories when he would go over video in the room, like the whole team, like he would – you did not want to be on – the receiving end of a bad highlight. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I've heard stories from the players from those teams that it was not for the faint of heart. Maybe he's backed off that a little bit. And maybe that's part of, of how he is dealing with today's player. And that's smart. Yeah. That's smart in many ways. So But his his unwavering standard of accountability has not changed. And I think people appreciate that. A lot of people want to be held accountable. They need somebody to tell them, hey, look, you're doing it the right way, you're doing it the wrong way. And Mm -hmm. I think John Tortorella has been able to, again, the, the best way for me to describe it, get the most out of his players and teams than a lot of coaches. Yeah. And it's it's spanned... How many decades now? And he's done, I don't even call this, I mean, this probably is a rebuild in Philadelphia, but, I mean, he's been with teams that have gone from near the bottom of the standings to higher in the standings, if not the top of the standings. He did it with the Lightning. He did it with Columbus. He's doing it with Philly. The Rangers team he took over, I think they had a lot of pieces in place, but he got them from good to really good. (laughs) Like, to the point that they won the President's Trophy in 2012. For sure. He's been he's been a heck of a coach for a long time, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised that he's got Philadelphia competing at a pretty high level. Jay says, guys, Lightning will have to be dialed in tonight or else the Flyers will counterattack their way to a 5-2 win. Interested to see how this plays out. <coughs> I think he can make that case for a lot of games, but I don't... I don't know if, if, Jay, you're implying anything in terms of the Lightning's transition game, turning the puck over, fueling the opposing team's counterattack. I mean, that's I think that's something we all look at every game. 
for the Lightning. You know, Detroit. Yeah. Well, what did Braden Point say in the clip at the beginning of the show? Turnovers, right? And I, I agree. Like, the Lightning were fumbling and bumbling the puck with the puck from halfway through the first period through the end of the second. And it did two things. It prevented them from kind of generating any kind of sustained pressure, and it fed Detroit's attack. Now, I'm not sure that they were giving up, like, the super prime chances, shift after shift after shift, but Detroit got to play with the puck a lot. Yeah. They By really the way, uh, Chernak and Flurry are out late, and it looks like Merrilla is out late with Johansson. Okay. So that might mean that Barry Belay is going to come in for the game tonight. Just a quick note on him. He he feels like he's been. I don't want to say I don't hit or see miss Myers. I don't see Myers either. So yeah. it's possible the Lightning go with seven D as well. The only two D that are out there getting extra work are Turnak and Flurry right okay. now. Barry Boulay kind of gets lost a little bit. I, I think in many ways when we talk about this team because we've seen a, a, some younger guys come up, partner that we're interested in seeing. Barry Boulay is still relatively young in age and in NHL experience. I think he has shown flashes, but I, I, I feel like he is. Do you, I mean, would you agree? Still trying to find maybe his, his place on this team permanently. Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's I think that's fair. I mean, he had some mojo early in the year when he came up after being sent down and had a pretty good stretch. And when you talk about depth scoring, like Barry Boulay has chipped in what six goals. Am I remembering that right? I don't have the stats yeah. in front of me. But a lot of those came, I would say, in the first quarter of the season. And more recently, and not even recent recently, but let's say in the second quarter of the season, now we're into the third quarter of the season, he's had a harder time just getting in the lineup. And when he's in the lineup, being able to make an impact. Yeah. So it's- we'll see. It's interesting because yeah. I think when he's had success, he's it's would you say it's come from that first line or specifically playing with Kucherov? Yeah, he's had know, a little power play time too. That's power him. play time, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, we got this question on X as well. Uh, this is from Tampa Bay Lightning fan twenty one. I'd love to hear more about how you view our defensive game. Earlier in the year, we talked about the switch in the scheme. We've definitely improved keeping most opponents under three goals, excluding Boston and Minnesota. Think our guys just finally get it. So they are getting better with the coverage. And D-zone coverage is only one part of team defense. And that is reflected not only in the number of goals they are allowing, which is, say, fewer, going back to... You want to go back to that stretch where they won three in a row right before Christmas? Fine. Let's let's use that at the starting point where they are just allowing fewer goals. The notable exception was the Boston game where they allowed six and there was a seventh goal into the empty net. They haven't held the other team under three in every game, but usually if the other team is, is getting more than two, they're getting three and that's it. And the Lightning have won some of those games where they've given up three, notably against New Jersey and, and Minnesota. But team defense and keeping the puck out of your net is only is not only tied to D-zone coverage. If you are having turnover issues in any zone, you are leaving yourself exposed to maybe giving up a scoring chance. And that is unrelated to 
kind of being set in the defensive zone and and being in a defensive posture, right? So one problem the Lightning had in the Detroit game was turnovers. It was like the gift that kept on giving for Detroit because the Red Wings got to have the puck a lot. Now, the Red Wings had a hand in that too, right? They were applying pressure, and, and they didn't have as many turnovers when they were surging from the middle of the first to the end of the second. So the, the fans' question was, what is our opinion, at least my opinion of their defensive game? It's getting better, and that has been reflected in their, in their goals against number coming down. I believe they are now 23rd, which is better. Like, that's better than where they've been, where they were 27th, 28th, 29th. They keep stringing together some games where they're allowing two or less. They're going to keep moving up. But every once in a while, as Coop said, you're going to have a stinker. You're going to have a game where things don't go as well. You're going to have a game where you're not executing as well. But if we looked at the trend line, I think the trend line is that as it relates to the adjustment they made on their D-zone coverage, they've gotten better. There's no question from, from game one till now. I don't know if you have anything to add. No, I, I would agree with that. I still think at times they get lost in their own zone. You could probably make a case a lot of teams do that. I think still when I look at this Lightning team, it's about what they do with the puck defensively as almost being their best defense than getting in their own zone because I do still see some breakdowns. Are they getting better for sure? Uh, but I thought the bar was pretty low from that perspective. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to kind of go from there. Uh, Steve just texted us soon and just said that um, from John Cooper – about Chernak, we're not rushing anything. He's not in tonight, and will be day to day after that. So maybe he will get in one of these final couple of games the Lightning have before the All Star break. Yeah, and and just to be clear, every team gets a bye week that is worked into and around the All Star break. But some teams are getting their bye week starting a little earlier, and other teams are getting them starting a little later, and then they don't go right back to work after the All-Star break. The Lightning are one of the teams that their bye week starts on the earlier side of things. There are some teams that are going to be playing middle of next week when the Lightning will be having time off. Hit us up on X at Bolts Radio. Al says, I wonder if because of his past performances with Crosby and Ovechkin, it might be smart to give Sherry some top six minutes for a game or two. He can't be traded because of his contract unless he waives his no-trade clause. So let's see if he can be revitalized. He said a lot of people were down on Sherry, not only because of his lack of production, but because of his $2 million cap hit and no-trade clause, similar to Nemesikov last year. Neither were good signings. I think Sherry, it's, it's tough for him this year, whatever you think of him as a player. I think any time you come to a new team, you try to fit in, and then you get injured, I th it's almost like that first year you give them a mulligan. Not to say that that's what you should always do, but you can make an argument that, look, it's coming to a new team. I don't think Sherry had you know, some of his best years, at least the last couple before he came to the Lightning and signed. And I think he's probably trying to get his game back to where Al it was with Pittsburgh and Washington. And mm -hmm. I think... You factor that in, then you factor a new team, 
and then you factor getting hurt, and you can kind of see where things struggle. I just read an article yesterday about Nick Bukestad and kind of the home that he's found in Arizona playing a more yeah. defensive role. But he talked about Dave when he was traded to Pittsburgh. He was just hammered with injuries and just could never get back on track. And I think, you know, he, he went to Minnesota, had some success there. Did he play for Edmonton during their uh, playoff run? I think they acquired him at the deadline. Yeah, so this tells you how much he likes Arizona. And I mentioned this when the Lightning played at Arizona. Bukestad was traded from Arizona to Edmonton at the deadline last year on an expiring contract. <clears throat> when his contract ended, he re-signed in Arizona. He came back to Arizona. That's how much he liked it there. Yeah, and, and he, he talked about how he's had to train differently because his body was breaking down. I mean, he was, I, I think, a, a 19th overall pick mm -hmm. a few years back. We know him from his days with Florida. I think always there was some offensive skill there, but he has a big frame. And the, the point being is, Dave, he had some confidence issues, I think, coming into whether it was Minnesota, whether it was starting in Arizona. He had to establish himself again because he was dealing with some adversity. And I, I want to say you can see where a guy like Connor Sherry, if things don't go right with your new team right off the bat, I think sometimes there can be a, a shock to the system, to the confidence. And then... He's expected to come in and, and produce a little bit. He gets a, a decent contract for arguably a bottom six forward. And I'm sure there's some pressure there. So not a surprise in, in some ways that Sherry has struggled to find his game. And I think the Lightning were hoping and are still hoping that he can be a guy who gives you some position flexibility when it comes to playing in a top six role. But also if he needs to play in a bottom six, he can give you just enough offense, kind of like what we saw with the pass to Merla. Yeah. with his first goal. Sherry can kind of do that. I think for him, it's where's his confidence and can he do it consistently? Well, for what it's worth, and it may not be worth anything at all, at the Lightning Skate today, which is wrapping up, Austin Watson did not skate. So I don't know if he's battling something or what. Merrilla was on a line on the line rushes with Sherry and Paul, because the question was about Connor Sherry. Merrill is not playing tonight. Merrill is getting a lot of extra work with Sherry and Chernak. So, if Watson, who didn't participate in the skate, is not in, and Merrill clearly is not in, that does mean the Lightning are going to go 11-7, and seven, like the Flyers, who are going 11-7, and seven, and Phil Myers will play against his former team. But if the line rushes are to be believed as what the Lightning are going to go with tonight, that means your forward line with two players on it, Paul and Sherry. So you're going to have a rotating third forward with those guys. And, I mean, it's not exactly what Al was asking. But, yeah, Kucherov might be out on the ice with Paul and Sherry. And, and Sherry will be playing with a high-end guy in that instance. We'll yeah. see. I mean, Coop tends to shuffle the lines anyway. When they go 11-7, and seven, it's not always that one line with – with two forwards on it and the other three stay exactly the same. But that's how they ran the line rushes this morning. And to me, because Merrilla is is not playing, he was either a placeholder or he was just filling a spot that is not going to be filled tonight. Correct.
if that makes sense. And yeah. it doesn't sound like I'm I'm doing the show with you, so I wasn't there for the Cooper press conference. It doesn't sound like Cooper was asked anything specific about the lineup except about Chernak. And that makes some sense because yeah. getting Chernak back, there's going to be a little bit of a ripple effect on the back end. Right. Who stays and who goes more so than, than anything else. So I, I, I understand that for sure. Uh, hit us up on X if you want to get involved in this conversation at Bolts Radio. We've been talking a lot about John Tortorella, and I think more importantly, something, Dave, that you've discussed that I think is, is super important is that if you want to be a, a playoff team, if you want to be considered a, a really good team in today's game, it's not only having probably multiple winning streaks throughout the year. It's what you do after you have that winning streak snapped. Mm-hmm. Does it dovetail into a 4-5 or five game losing streak or is it going to go back into a, a five or six game win streak? Because I think the Lightning have an opportunity here. Uh, if, they, if they get back on track because they're heading home after this, uh, they could carve out a nice run here where now all of a sudden, you know, we're really talking about this Lightning team maybe hitting their stride at the right time. Yeah, and it and it may impact what Julian Brisewa potentially will do in a month as well when it comes to the trade deadline and and where he sees this team. And look, I haven't really talked about this in this ten game segment, but I've been talking about it all year. The Lightning are at a minus five for playoff pace through the first four ten game segments. They are they are in a position to cut into that deficit. They were in a better position before the Detroit game, but in this ten game segment, the Lightning are five and two through seven games. So one more win in their last three will get them to 12 points. Anything above that will cut into the deficit. So that just, again, accentuates how they they let an opportunity slip away on Sunday. This could have been a magnificent 10-game segment if they'd gotten points out of that game as it is. It's kind of teetering here, right? If you can get points out of this game, you get a win – then the next two games give you a chance to cut into your your point deficit. Again, we're talking about getting 12 points every 10 games. If the Lightning had done that, yeah. they would be at 60 points after 50 games. Their max, if they win their three remaining games in this 10-game segment, they'll get to 59. They'll be one point right. off playoff pace. Now, that would be great if they win their last three. But even if they win two you know, they will cut into that deficit, which will help them. You know, it's interesting, too, because the teams they're chasing in the Eastern Conference, specifically in the Atlantic Division, you know, Boston's had a, a phenomenal year. But, you know, they're 6-1-3 they're and three in their last 10. They've won five in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, these are moments that allow them to continue to be the leaders in that division. The Panthers have gone 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10. And, you know what so, both those teams have in common, Greg? Tell me. They've lost four of their last 10, but look at the regulation loss number. Yeah. So even when they don't You're win, right. they get points. Is that the name of the game, though, in today's NHL, at least in the regular season? Well, it is. Finding if, ways to get if points. If you have teams trying to chase you, yeah. yes, definitely. Right. I mean, early in the year, absolutely. Once you are chasing, though, that that overtime point, which some of the broadcasters that I've seen recently have affectionately called the loser point, I think you've called it that too, right? But the extra point is an extra point if you have teams chasing you. The one point that you get for a loss in overtime or the shootout when you are chasing is a point dropped. Once we get into the second half of the year, 
losing in overtime or the shootout, if you have to make up ground, is not good enough. Now, yeah. I maintain it will be better for the Lightning tonight to, to get a point than zero points. But they'll take the overtime loss tonight. I mean, they'd like the two, but I think it's critical for them to avoid the regulation loss in this game. Fair point. They're kind of not – they are chasing. They're kind of not chasing, right? They're kind of in the, in the mix. They need to avoid any kind of a skid and try and go on a, on a good run, which they've been on a good run. So they need to continue being on that good run. But, like, look at some of the – and throw the lightning in there, 7-3 and three in their last 10. But, like, the Red Wings, 7-2-1. and one. Carolina, 7-2-1. and one. Philadelphia, as we just discussed, they've lost two in a row. They're 6-3-1, and one, which has allowed them to kind of stay afloat there in, in the Metro. Uh, the Rangers have kind of faltered a little bit here, but they, they had a good lead to start. So, again, we talk about yeah. the value of getting off to good starts yes. and, and not having to to deal with playing catch-up all the time. You allow yourself the opportunity where if you hit a skid, you know, look, there's still four points ahead of Philadelphia with a game in hand on them in the Metropolitan Division. So it's it's one of those instances where munch as much as you can and you'll be in a pretty good spot, but it also... I think speaks to the power of getting off to a good start because so important. Yeah, yeah. Eventually you'll, you'll run into a skid. Obviously how you navigate the waters during that skid is, is big, but also too, it's playing with a lead in many ways um, from a standings perspective. So that's one of the things to keep in mind. Hit us up on X at bolts radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, this comes from Len and we'll probably end the show on this. What do you guys think are the best defensive pairings right now since we've seen so many new guys get called up? That's a hard question to answer, Len. I think with the Lightning, and this is not a cop-out answer, although maybe it is. I don't know. When the Lightning are playing well defensively, I think the three pairs tend to play well defensively. Now, there was an exception like the Minnesota game. That was a game in which DeHaan and Perbic struggled, but that was a matchup situation. They came back and played really well in the next game, which was the game in Buffalo. And also the Lightning have mixed up the pairs. So, I mean, that also kind of tells you that maybe the Lightning haven't settled in on a McDonough-Chernak, right, where you can mark it in indelible ink that those two guys, if they're in the lineup, they're going to be paired together. But I don't know. I mean, Radish seems to have been fitting in really well with Victor Hetman, hasn't he? He has. And that's been over this yeah. last stretch of time. I did learn, I didn't know this until I read it, but Lilleberg and Crozier were partners in Syracuse. I think they've meshed well. They have some familiarity yeah. with one That can another. go a long way, too. Yeah. So I'm not really answering your question, Len. I'm sorry. But when things go sideways for the Lightning defensively as a team, I feel it's kind of team-wide, and there are a lot of players that have their fingerprints on the problems. But when things are going well defensively, I think everyone's pulling on the rope, and and the pairs have done quite well. And I think that's fair, and I think you've been pretty consistent with that as well. I think sometimes we look at the defense pairings a little bit more because they are the last line of defense and probably are a little more critical, but... I think with the Lightning and how they play it, it is more collective than it is selective. <laughs> I will say this. Of their defensemen who have been in a game this year, go down the list, and they've used quite a few <laughs> with the injuries. 
Victor Hedman is having the best season. I know yeah, it's not stating anything earth-shattering, but I think it should be pointed out. Look at his point total. Look at the minutes that he's logged. Look at the different partners he's had for a team that has struggled on on five-on-five goal differential like he is. I believe he's still a minus, but it's very close to being even, and he's played the most. He has had an enormous bounce-back year, you know, and the Lightning needed him to have yeah, that kind of year. Something to keep in mind moving forward. We talk about the trade deadline. We've just talked about Hedman and the year he's having. I do think once they get Sergachev back, I hope there's kind of a reset for him. That may be like getting somebody at the trade deadline. When you talk about the impact he could make mm-hmm. and how much time he's missed, what's he going to look like when he comes back? I think there's another level for him to reach this year compared <laughs> to what we've seen the last couple. Dave, if he performs anywhere close to Sergachev at his best for the remaining games, the Lightning could be getting a huge upgrade on the back end. I think they anticipate that happening. It's not a gimme. Yeah. Something to keep in mind, though. Well, look, he has not been around even skating that I have seen. And, of course, this is a a foot or ankle injury. He got hit with the puck in the skate or the ankle, unclear. It's taken him a while, right? Yep. So those lower body injuries, it's different than when you hurt your hand in terms of your conditioning. Now, when you hurt your hand, and we heard Tyler Mott talk about this, I actually heard this from Buffalo about Tage Thompson because he he had the similar injury where he got hit in the hand or the wrist. And he really he came back fairly quickly, but, yeah. but their broadcasters were telling me, like, his shot was affected because – he wasn't 100%. He couldn't shoot the puck quite the same way. Now it's starting to come back. But you can get back on the ice and up to speed more quickly yeah. if you can use your legs in your rehab. When you can't use your legs in your rehab, we'll see. I mean, yep. I hope you're right it. that it's going to be a reset for, for Sergachev. But it may take him a little bit of time to kind of get back up to speed. If he's not coming back until February 7th at the earliest when the Lightning resumed their schedule after the bye week and the All-Star break. That's a significant amount of time that he has missed. We're talking about, a, what, almost two months? Month and a half at least. Yeah. It's a good but point. he'll have enough runway yeah. to have an impactful finish. We'll see uh, when he does get back. Lightning and Flyers tonight. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back in this setting tomorrow noon to 1. Partner, great job as always. We appreciate you. You too. Talk to you tonight. Thanks, Talk Steve Bursnick. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. I'm Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.